You're listening to Fandoms. I'm your host, Brody Otway. Join me as I talk to a guest about anything from Saturday Night Live to Love Live. Today, I'll be talking to Swishbone about Love Live. Welcome to the show. Good evening, and what a smooth segue. Saturday Night Live to Love Live, yes. For somebody who has no idea what it is, wh- wh- how would you explain Love Live? Well, in terms of Love Live itself, in the obviously it's an anime series predominantly. There is other things as well, which I have no doubt we'll get onto later in the show. Love Live is actually kind of like a national concert competition. If you think like the Eurovision Song Contest or American Idol, it's the same kind of thing where the lots of groups can enter Love Live with the idea being of becoming the champions and taking the credibility that comes with it. Very cool. What exactly are school idols? I understand that's primarily the focus of the show. That's exactly right, yeah. Um, School Idols, well, it's a good segue in many ways because Love Live is only open to school idols. So if you're not a school idol, you ain't invited to the party. (laughs) And essentially, school idols are very similar to any other club that you find at colleges, universities, or high school. Normally, you'd find things like, say, for example, the chess club or the literature club. Go away, Monica, not tonight. You're not breaking this one. Leave leave us alone. But the school idol club essentially is kind of like a sports club where the members all want to become idol performers. And unlike most performers where you're given managers and you've got people doing it for you, they write their own songs, they choreograph their own dance routines, they make their own costumes, they build their own stages. It has a very DIY kind of ethic. And the essential idea predominantly, is that these groups that they form in the clubs will try and qualify for the Love Life finals, kind of similar to a martial arts club trying to qualify for the national tournament. Okay, so the show follows the whole process of them like doing their costumes and choreography and everything, or does it just show the competition? No, it shows everything. It shows literally how they first come together. There's sometimes the resistances they face in setting up the club. Obviously, in Japan, it's a bit different to the West. But if you actually wanted to have a club, a lot of the establishments, you need to have a minimum amount of members before you can even submit it. And it deals with the ethos of trying to get people to join the club that doesn't exist, but then someone trying to stop you from recruiting because your club doesn't exist. So it has a lot of that kind of tension, which is really quite nice to see. It's quite refreshing in that the students have to like try and empower themselves to overcome rigid faculty rules. And then it also shows everything from like the one of the first episodes that I saw in the series literally had a character with a like a scrapbook drawing potential costume ideas saying, I think this would look good on you, this would look good, etc. And you see everything from what kind of designs they go through. There's a little bit of crafting in there. And the dance actual choreographies, you see a lot of their training regimens. And it's everything from like whether just trying to perform a routine wherever their club are based or actually trying to set up actual training camps where they'll try and get fitter and they'll learn more about themselves. It's really quite refreshing. Kind of sounds like what Glee should have been. <laughs> that's a really interesting concept so i suppose it could have been yeah when you think about it it actually takes away the end product what lets you experience the journey as well i definitely think you can get a lot more out of it 
Yeah, I remember watching Glee back in the day in uh, drama class, and they kind of just magically have all these costumes and all this stuff, and they never have any, like, it sounds like Love Live actually has, like, stories behind everything. That's very true, but there are also moments of that same kind of deus ex machina, actually, where you're looking (laughs) at it and you're thinking, hang on, how's this possible? Like, they'll randomly break into, like, a dance routine in the middle of town, and suddenly someone's capturing camera angles that Steven Spielberg and Christopher Nolan would only dream of. Like this, <laughs> the media studies club at these schools are way underpaid. They need to be on much better contracts. That's too funny. So how did you first get into Love Live? Well, it's actually, I got into it by accident because in 2019, I went with my work to raise funds for charity in China. And when I was on the way back to the UK, I was just, browsing through the in-flight stuff and you know how it is it's mostly either cut to pieces and unwatchable or absolutely terrible but one section was there for anime and there was a movie of um book in the hero and academia which was watchable perfectly fine and then i saw this one um for love life sunshine and i thought this looks really cheesy and cringy and the opening scene made me think yep this is going to be the most syrupy <laughs> over the top awful unwatchable stuff in the world but when it went got past the opening number i realized there was actually a lot going on there and a lot of subtext that was a lot more thought-provoking than i expected and there was also a major sense of just because you passed triumph it's not guaranteed to future success and i thought that was quite refreshing usually once someone's achieved the rainbow ending you never hear from them again they've ascended to a whole plateau of godliness and that wasn't the case with this movie. And that's what got me interested in going back and checking out the rest of the series. And that's when I discovered all the journeys that they take to get to these tournaments at the end. And that was really quite refreshing compared to some of the other animes I've seen of Nazilk. If you watch the likes of, say, Lovely Idol, for example, they get given everything on a silver plate very easily out of nowhere. You don't see that sense of personal achievement. Okay. So you mentioned Sunshine. Um, is there other like series and movies for Love Live? There are indeed. And the chronology is quite interesting. You can watch each in its own little bubble. They don't technically have like a strict timeline. It's not trying to follow the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for <laughs> example, where if you skip two movies, you've got no idea what's going on. It's not quite that bad. Well, there's actually four main series. Um, there is the original series, simply called Love Live School Idol Project. Then there was the second series, um, second anime form, which is Love Live Sunshine. There was the third one, which is like, kind of like a spin-off side one called um, Love Live Nijikasaki. And then the most recent one that's come out, technically, is Love Live Superstar. Though confusingly, there's also now a fifth series known as Genjitsu no Yohane Sunshine in the Mirror which is a spin-off from Love Live Sunshine. Try and get your head around that chronology. <laughs> okay, so the spin-off is like just a totally different title but they kept like the sunshine um pre uh, suffix. And they didn't actually call it Sunshine, but all the characters in it are from Sunshine okay. and it's it's completely different. Like the four series I mentioned before it are all as I say the club trying to perform together. The fifth series, Genjutsu no Yohane, the only way I can really describe it is like taking Love Live and crossing it with the Atelier RPG games. They all have jobs like that. You know, someone's a zoologist, someone's a photographer, someone's the town handyman. It's one of the most bizarre animes I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually really entertaining in a really silly way. 
Interesting. So which of the series would you say is your favorite or movies? My favorite series is definitely Love, Life, Sunshine. That was the one I connected with the most. The reason for that is that all the main ones that I mentioned, other than Sunshine, are all set in Tokyo. So they're all relatively big um, campuses right in the heart of the city. They've got rivals on the doorstep. They've got access to all the best tech. Sunshine's the other way around. It's out in a place called Numazu, which is like a really rural, coastal kind of area. They're the only group for dozens of miles. They've not got anywhere near the tech support. And they really find it hard to get support for that reason because they stick out like a sore thumb. So there's a lot more case of going against the grindstone to make their club take off and make their group succeed, which I really connected with. You were talking about performances and stuff before. Is all the music and stuff from the show? All the music is mostly from the show, but there's also other media where more songs crop up. And they have had songs written purely for albums and live performances. So you kind of get this sense of, you to get access to all the media, you kind of have to go outside the anime. It's very Japanese in that respect, in that you can get access to a lot more songs if you get hold of the physical releases, or if you do what I do and just find a Spotify playlist. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I ended up going down quite the rabbit hole once I found out it was like a multimedia franchise and having to look up all the different things and it was mm. it was quite an adventure it is it is one of the more difficult things to navigate and i think with that one you have to be careful it's like any um if you go into a big one like dragon ball for example where there's so many side series and so many spin-offs oh, yeah. if you're not careful you can end up spending quite a lot of dollars so always to always be careful on that one i say so what other advice would you have for somebody trying to get into love live I think the first thing I'd advise people to do is to go in there without any preconceptions. I think it's very easy because it's not its not going to have fight scenes. It's not going to have any like really adult rating things. You're not really going to see any creepy scenes or mature scenes. So it's going to feel quite a lot more almost childish in a way. Jettison that from your mind and focus more on seeing it as a group of people coming together for the first time. If you watch it, think like something like The Breakfast Club, for example, and you see the stories of people coming together and how they can help navigate their own personal traumas and tragedies, you actually find a lot in it. It's got some brilliant subtext for things like mental health and anxiety. In fact, it actually has one of my favorite scenes in Genjutsu no Yohane, which is a scene involving one character going through a proper anxious breakdown because they're overwhelmed by sudden appearance of people and a lot of getting up in their face and approaching them. And it's one of the better examples I've seen of actually dealing with that and showcasing what it must be like to experience that kind of thing, which I thought was really eye-opening. And in the Nijigaku series, as it's known, Love Live Nijigasaki, one of the characters, Tanoji Rina, uh, many of us believe is actually on the autism spectrum. And the way they actually showcase her personal traits and the way that she has to develop her character around her personal needs is really tastefully done. And it's easily better than quite a lot of attempts in the Western media. That's awesome. It sounds like they're working in like actual, like re- relatable things for a lot of people that aren't typically shown in the proper light. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's another reason why I connected with it personally, because of 
experiences of that kind myself, or I know a lot of people who have gone through these kind of things. So seeing it not just used as a narrative crutch to like for shock tactics, but to actually help people possibly comprehend. And some people may have even seen that and gone, I should give that a try myself. And that's actually helped them in their real life. Over here in the UK, we've had many shows where it has, you know, that's the kind of feature. And it's almost like it's a box ticking actual activity by the producers rather than thinking if we have someone with these struggles how do they actually live day to day because i think people like to believe that there's a there's things you can check for and almost diagnose it like um as if you're diagnosing someone with a fracture in their elbow for example and while there are some common traits with crossover as anyone who's dealt with those who are on the autism spectrum they'll tell you it's called a spectrum for a reason. Mm-hmm. There are those who are incredibly high functioning and need minimal support, sometimes even zero. And then there's other people where they've got so many complicated needs that you can't even possibly comprehend the challenges that go with it. Yeah, yeah. The, my son's more on the high needs end. He's mostly nonverbal and stuff. And mm. it, it, it can be difficult, but it's... He's a lovely little dude, and it's Absolutely. it's nice hearing that there's representation of the spectrum in things because a lot of the time they don't address the lower end of the spectrum where they don't need a lot of help, I find. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, I think it also is that people always like just think it's some people like to seek that name for a shield. I've seen that um, negatively portrayed before. Mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, well, now they've got that diagnosis. They've got some kind of trump card, and that's not what it's about. It's about identifying who you are as an individual. And there are things you might have done in your life and gone, ah, oh, so that's why I like doing that. And that's why people find it annoying. <laughs> right. How can we bridge these get bridge this gap then? How can we sort this out? Rather than like just saying, well, you're going to have to deal with it. No, both sides have to, and they have to help each other. Of the albums and music they've released, do you have a favorite album or, if not, just a favorite song? And so I've not actually had access to any of the albums because they're extremely difficult to obtain outside Japan, unfortunately. But thanks to the likes of Spotify, I've heard absolutely tons of songs. I'm the <laughs> one who's there in the gym bopping to this incredibly cute to music. Honestly, it's brilliant. It's great for keeping your rhythm going when you're running. It's a fantastic tip. In terms of the favorite songs, I'm actually what I'll do is I'll give you a rundown of the ones from all the series I've seen because that's probably the easiest way to categorize it. Um, so if we go back to the original series, Love Live, um, School Art of Projects, there's two songs that really stick out to me. The first one's going to be a bit of a growing and a cliche from the Love Live fandom, and I apologize in advance for this. But the song is one called Snow Halation, and it's a winter song, which is their semi-final qualifying song. It's a really tasteful tune because it takes the imagery and the theme of winter and Christmas, but without decorating it with all the tinsel and the Christmas balls to make it only thing you can listen to one month in the year. You can listen to it all year round and really appreciate it. Very beautiful song. Um, the second song from that one that I really like is a quite a punky song called No Brown Girls. And it's a really upbeat driving rock song. And that like spectrum of music they have really keeps me going. It's one when I'm in the gym and it comes on, I'm like instantly going 1K a mile quicker purely because of the beats per minute in the song. It's fantastic. It's one of the ones I heard for in preparation for this. Mm-hmm. You heard that one, did you? Yeah. <laughs> what, did you what did you think of it? 
I, I enjoyed it for the most part. It's not really my kind of music totally, but uh, I noticed they did have quite a varied, uh, varied genre. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's actually endemic with idol music in general. And I think that's what Love Live does well. They understand the audience. It's not all like singing about alarm clocks and chocolate. They'll like have like really quite rasping, very fast, punky songs. And then you've got really simple ballads. It's a great mix of music. If you look at any of the bands such as AKB48, anyone in the Hello Project, uh, Baby Metal even, you can see a lot of difference in the music. It's not one trick pony. And that's what the anime borrows from the music that it's based on really well, in my opinion. So having gone through the original one, um, for Love, Life, Sunshine, my favorite song for that one is one called Water Blue New World. And that was their song that they performed in the finals. And for me, that was the best song they've done as an anime for a whole, for an actual final performance song, because it felt like the kind of thing you would unleash at a final tournament. It had absolutely everything that you'd want in that genre of music. And it felt like if we're going to go go on stage, we're going big or we're going home. It had that kind of vibe to it. As a really nice, soft vocal intro, and then just goes into this absolutely stunning, like guitar-driven, almost prog kind of kind of melody, which I really, really vibe to. As for the third series, Love Line Nijigasaki, uh, this is an interesting one because that series is mostly on solo idols rather than a group, although they do come together for group songs now and again. And there's one song from the second series I really like called Utopia done by a character called Lan Shu Song, who's from Hong Kong. And it's this really, it's almost like taking the almost like Madonna, Lady Gaga style narcissism, but actually taking it in a much more softer music tone. It's not all auto-tuned. It's not all like dubstep or anything like that. It's just that the lyrics are very much about how no one else can stand up to her. And it has this almost arrogant kind of tone to it. And yet I like it because it sums up the character so well and how she goes on her journey later on. It's interesting to see she opens with that song where she's above everybody. And then the end of her journey is very different, which I really like. Interesting. And there's one more series? That's right, yeah. A series called Love Life Superstar. And my favorite song for that one is called Tokonatsu Sunshine. That one's really interesting because it starts out for the first 30 seconds with just two singers like doing really soft vocals and you think it's by the numbers. And then it explodes into like a weird hybrid of samba music from Brazil and Caribbean reggae. It is the absolutely perfect sound of summer. Oh, I'm going to have to check that one out. I'd recommend it. It's, it's a belter. So... For the music, the, I understand there's two main groups, um, Aqua and Muse. In terms of the protagonist groups, they're probably the two most famous ones, yes. Um, okay. They're the ones who are the central animes. Muse are the central group for Love Live School Arda Projects, the first anime series. And Aqua are the one for the second series, Love Live Sunshine. Okay. However... In Love Live Nijigasaki, there is technically one big group called Tokimeki Runners, and that's when all the members of the club do one song together. And then in Love Live Superstar, there's a fourth group called Liela, who are the newest one. Okay, that's cool. I also understand there's been like other songs where the like smaller groups have formed out of the larger groups to perform. 
That's right, yes. Uh, modern owners are subunits. And it's actually really quite interesting because until the second series of Love Live Nijikasaki, you didn't actually see them in the anime. They were only really seen in the spin-off media elsewhere. For instance, in Aqua, um, you've got the likes of Chirion, which is three members, and you've got Azalea, and um, there's a third one called Guilty Kiss. That's what they're called. I almost tripped myself up then. Um, I don't actually know, and this is where I'm going to get some heat from the Love Life fandom, for the, any of the groups from the first series, from Love Life School Adder Projects. I've not heard the spin-off groups from that one. Well, going back to Nijikasaki, what's quite interesting is that there are three subunit groups in that one. One's called, um, I'm trying to remember the names of them all now, it's going to really annoy me. One's called Azana, which is a three-member group. Uh, there's one called Diver Diva, which is a duo. And then there's a four-member unit called Quartz. And what's interesting is in the second series, it had told origin stories as to how they formed, which is something really cool in my opinion. It's like, they're normally like a sideshow gimmick. And that was the first series where they actually gave them a backstory and made you have more actual involvement in the creation of the group. And I thought that was a fantastic touch. I understand there's a thing with the voice actresses where they do, they're the ones who do the live concerts and they do like YouTube or streaming or some kind of stuff as well. That's right, yeah. Um, In Japan, mostly this is. Um, There was known, in Japan it's very common for the, performers who do voice acting to be known as a seiyu where they not only do the actual voice of the character but they will also perform songs as the character or perform songs from the anime and this is for a variety of groups um, for example the group Fripside, for example um, their lead singer is the seiyu for um for railgun that's where their most famous song is from and their songs crop up all the time in the anime and in Love Live, the all in Japan, the people who do the voices also do the singing. It's quite interesting because in Love Live Superstar, the central character, Shibuya Kanon, the Seiyu who ended up getting the role for her thought she'd absolutely blown it and was absolutely in tears about it and then found out she'd got it because apparently it's the kind of character they weren't aiming for the anime in her performance. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It's like you trip up on the way into the audition room. Yep, you're hired. That's the kind of vibe I've got in my head from it. Oh, I could I could only hope to stumble into a job that good like that. <laughs> I think we're all the same on that front, aren't we? So have you ever seen them perform like concerts or anything like that? Unfortunately, no, because I think apart from one appearance, it might have been at Anime Axe either this year or last year, where three members came over and it was in either it was even in Texas or LA. Most of the time they only perform in Japan and as I've not been back to Japan since 2015, so it's before I've even seen the anime. I have, however, seen plenty of live clips on YouTube, and the shows there, they are mind-blowing. They're like the size of like most super arenas in the in Toronto and like in, in the UK. They like playing the where the Maple Leafs play. It's like an anime group. It's like you're not going to see it outside Japan. It's insane. Yeah, that I've I've seen videos and stuff, and I was blown away. I've seen many an idol concert in Japan when I was over there for idol music itself. And even then, I didn't see shows as big as theirs. And I saw some quite big groups. So I was absolutely flabbergasted when I saw it. I'm like, for a group who started out on their first single did I think it was 430 copies, to go from that to playing the likes of Saitama Super Arena, 
that's one hell of a journey. So other than the anime and the music, are there other Love Live media out there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are a couple of video games that can be played. Um, the most common one is one that you can find on the PS4, I think. However, I've not played that because it's not had a European release. And I understand it's one of those games that's a bit like Dead or Alive 5 or 6, where it's got a load of extra content, but you got to pay. It's one of those kind of games, apparently, unfortunately. Um, but they also have a game that's coming out very soon, actually, for Nintendo Switch, which looks like a unusual 2D side-scroller, which is based off the series I mentioned earlier on, Genjutsu no Yohane. It's known in the West as Yohane the Pirellium, and that I randomly saw turn up on the Switch shop the other day. That's interesting. I, yeah, I didn't come across that in any of my things. I mostly only found the that they had uh, mobile games and the PlayStation game. Yeah, the mobile game is probably the one the most famous for. And the uh, mobile game is an interesting experience, to say the least, but that's mobile gaming in general, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it tends to just be a grab for your money most of the time. Yeah, you, you, you're you making low progress. Why don't you pay £5 and get 100 gems <laughs> to unlock the next chapter? How about no? So what about merch? Do you have any Love Live merch that you're really proud of? I have a rather big collection of figurines, actually, I've been picking up over time, and I've got them from all different sources. It's interesting because they always turn up at random here in the UK. I'll be like in a store, like we have a chain called Forbidden Planet, where a lot of like geek merchandise is sold. And a lot of it is stuff like, you know, Marvel, DC, um, Nintendo, Sega. But then you have the occasional bits in the anime section. And you'll be there looking for, and you'll see Nezuko from Demon Slayer. You'll see Goku from Dragon Ball. And then randomly you'll see Miyashita Ai from Love Live Mijikasaki. And I'm like, oh, hello, I'll have that. Thank you very much. So I've got quite a big collection of figures on that. There are two that I like um, best overall. Um, one is a version of Umi Senator from Love Live, the School Arda Project. And it's actually in the outfit from the video for Snow Halation. And the reason I love that one is not only because of the design, but I actually found it. It turns out it's actually a porcelain one. And I paid less than $30 for it. So I think I absolutely looked out on that when I found it. And the yeah. other one I've got, um, yeah, thank you. I'm, I think it's very cool too. The other one I like is I've got one of um, Chika Takami from the series Love Live Sunshine. And at first it looks kind of blasé. It's just like a, almost like a goth maid dress that she's wearing. But she's trying to do, the old idols do that thing where they, where they do like the peace sign, but they hold it at the side of the mm -hmm. head sideways. Well, they've actually postured her wrong. And she's actually basically got her, got, got the Vs up. So it's almost like she's flipping you off. <laughs> I just found that really funny. It's like, ah, you bought my merchandise and this is your reward. And I just found it really, really funny from a British perspective. So I'm like, I'm giving that home. That is so funny. So do you have favorite members of Muse and Aqua? I've literally just said the names, so Umi, <laughs> Umi and Chica, they are my favourites. But I do actually like quite a lot of the members, to be honest, because it's one of those, in, in the fandom, you often see how everyone has what's known as an Oshi, which is their number one. And then that's usually mostly who they show interest in. But I've always liked a lot of the members, because I just think there's such a wide array of characters to display. But they're my top two easily. Very cool. So... Is there anything you would change about the franchise if you could? This is where I could potentially get some real hate in the fandom, but I'm going to do it 
But before we do that, you're probably going to need to go into the editing suite to do the old um, timestamp here because we're about to enter the spoiler room. So we'll give people plenty of warning and the old timestamps to skip ahead if they don't want to um, be spoiled on this. But in the series, Love Live Superstar, it's actually going to get a third series, which is the first time that's ever happened in Love Live. They've always been two series and then done in the main. But they're having a third series. In the second series, the main character, Shibuya Kanon, develops a rivalry with a girl from Austria. And at the end of the series, it turns out that essentially the family of this girl own a music school in Vienna, and they want her to come and study at their elite European music school as a way of developing her career. And she agrees to go, and the entire episode at the end is her trying to reluctantly say goodbye and get on the way and allow the group to continue without her. And then in the final scene... This character turns up wearing the same uniform as her and says, forget it, your trip's cancelled, I'm coming to your school. And it almost like, it, it smacks of, at the last minute, they've got a third series and they need to find a way to carry it on. Now, this is where I change it, and I get the feeling I'm going to get some hatred here. I'd have had it where she still goes to Austria, but in the third series, we follow the group who have just become champions, so they've lost their best member, having won the big prize, and they've got all the pressure of trying to defend it. They start falling apart the scenes because of the pressure, go for all the usual kind of overcoming adversity storyline. And then in the final part of the show, in the third series, I'd have it where in canon, they've had their first ever international qualifiers and outsteps canon and this girl. And basically she's like, I never needed you. I'm better than all of you. And they absolutely thrash them and she basically turns heel. That's how I do it, setting up for a final movie. And the idea of taking the main protagonist and turning them evil has never been done in Love Live. That's what I do, and I'm ready for the hatred that I'm going to get for it. <laughs> oh, so uh, before you answer this, I'll explain my experience. But have you ever had any negative experiences with another member of the Love Live uh, fandom? For me, I mentioned this in one of my other episodes previously the day it happened but i was researching for this and i joined the love live reddit and somebody flagged me for spam for trying to ask questions and stuff for this and i ended up getting banned from the love live reddit so that's my bad experience with the fandom otherwise it was youtube was very friendly achievement on what right there wow i mean I've, i'll be honest i've very rarely, rarely sporadically post on that foot that reddit because it's one of those where it's like posting a stream chat on on someone really popular like keemstar you just get swallowed in seconds i find usually but i'm not as i say it's a bit that's a bit gatekeeping isn't it that's, that's never good from any fandom to gatekeep like that oh you want to find out some information about the show get out of here you heretic members only yeah i don't like that personally i mean i'd say online's the only place i've ever really experienced any issues with Love Live. I mean, one of the things I didn't touch upon in my merchandise thing, but I do actually have two cosplays of um, Chika Takami, which I've brought out to conventions in the UK. And one of them is for the song Koi Ni Naritai Aquarium, which is a aqua song where Yo Watanabe was the central singer for it. And I always loved the design because it had kind of like a mix of like basques, but like nice fins and everything else. It kind of mixed the idol and the aquarium really well. And I was watching a live clip on YouTube of either the main Seiyu, Anju, for Chica, 
or a fan, someone like that. And it was a really good solo dance video. And I was watching it going, that's really cool, very smooth movements. And some of the steps were a lot easier than I expected. So I said in the comments, I really should learn this. I've got the costume. You know, it's a, I go to conventions wearing it. I should possibly use this for some kind of group performance at some point. I got instant heat. Dude, look at your name. You can't wear that. Who do you think you are? And I'm just like, what? I can't be as cute as Chica just because I'm a dude? Why? Some people just aren't open to cross-dress or anything like that or expression. And I don't know. If you're not hurting anybody, then why? why what's the point in harsh in somebody's what they like to do right exactly you shouldn't yuck someone's yum at the end of the day it's like it's all about having fun most of us is that it's like you know we're all just like um being geeks and nerds and having fun it's not oddly enough you wouldn't probably see this on the other on the other foot would you it's like i don't get it it's like it's someone portraying a character Mm-hmm. Yep. So what's the issue here? No idea. I don't understand it myself. If you're not hurting anybody, then why? What's the point in harshing someone's mellow? Absolutely not. Exactly. Just let people be, let them enjoy their own thing. 100%. So for you, what is the best part of being a Love Live fan? And why does the series mean so much to you? Well, actually, it's like, in in a way, nice segue from the bad experiences. For me, the actual offline fandom are awesome. When I've attended, like, conventions or meetups, it's always been great to see just how open everyone is. And I was mentioning before how people have their own favorites, but there's never a case of, like, oh, you don't like my favorite, I'm not talking to you. There's actually a lot of explanations for, oh, I never considered that. I never really thought about that for that character. I'll have to give them another chance. And anyone's wearing costumes, everyone's really supportive of each other. I always get this sense that in the offline world, everyone just wants to have fun together and really support each other, which really is awesome. And in a way, that's part of the reason why the series means so much to me. Because when I was at university, I was in a club, but it was the jujitsu club. And much like in Love Live, when I was first going in and I was trying to learn how to do simple moves or simple falls, I'm practically drilling my head into the floor, I'm applying the wrong amount of force, I'm hitting the wrong part of the body, and I am basically feel like I'm an absolute klutz who's going to absolutely hurt somebody. And there was a sense of, well, I've got no chance on it. What am I doing? I'm making an embarrassment of myself. I'm putting people in danger. I should stop. And it was a sense of that like aggressive support from the senior members of the club. It's like, if you want to get that next grade, you've got to try harder. You've got to aim for this. You've got to start. And it starts slowly showing me techniques, which I'd not fully taken on at first. And over time, I got better and better and better. And then eventually that evolved to me having people coming into the club to say, right, you're making the same mistake I did. Here's how I got over it and help them do the same journey. So when I saw in Love Live, the members doing the same thing, trying to become idols, immediately made me think, wow, this is actually really nailing for the first time, that sense of struggling as a newbie in a club. I've not really experienced that before. And that invested me so much in the characters and seeing how far they go. Like I said, at one point, they're performing in front of five people in their own gym. To opening to a massive arena somewhere the size of Saitama. That sense of growth and positive change is something that always will, will drive me forward. And I thank Love Life for that. That is so awesome. I love that you have that personal deep connection with it. It's why I love talking to people about what about what they're fans of and getting their experiences with it. I love hearing these kind of things. Yeah, definitely. So it's always nice to share them as well because I think 
we, as fans of anime, it's very easy to get kind of like, almost like football fans in the UK. It's like, you know, everyone gets tribal against each other when it comes to online forums. You've experienced it yourself, asking questions, get out of our stadium, you're not welcome here. And actually being able to share these stories in a positive way and show it's not all about just being a bit weird and being a bit odd. It's actually, you know, making these big personal steps and these big personal connections. And that's both not only works with the characters on screen, but when I've met fellow fans in real life. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Swishbone. Thank you very much for having me. It's an unusual platform, but I've had had this for a while, and I thank you very much again. And where can anybody find you? If anyone wants to check me out, you can hit me up on YouTube. I do a very series of live streams where I mostly play games blind for the first time of all different genres, and I'm often interacting with the chat as well. So come in, drop a like, and subscribe anytime. Awesome. I'll I'll have to check you out myself. Thank you very much. That's wonderful, Brody. Thanks a bunch for tuning in. If you'd like to be a guest yourself, want to see a list of upcoming episodes, give feedback, or suggest questions, join us on Discord, or reach out to us on Twitter. You can also reach us at email at pod.fandoms at gmail.com. And if you could give us five stars on your podcast app of choice, we'd really appreciate it, as it helps us get new lovely listeners like yourself. Thank you.